0: What's going on ladies and gentlemen, this is Muscle and this is another Two Line Music Cuts Entertainment Report Podcast. And tonight we have a real special guest in the building. Listen, this is a Grammy winning producer. Listen, he produced tracks for Rihanna, Drake, Bruno Mars, you name it, he's done it. Listen, you know we have in the building tonight? We have Super Dopes from the Black chinese in the building tonight. What's going on, Big Boss? Wagwan, well, Muscle Wagwan. Well, How's everything, boss? Everything is great. Thank you so very much for actually joining me on the show tonight.
1: Yeah, man. Well, you know, um, it's, it's been a long time in the making. Haven't seen you in a while, so um. <laughs> wow. <laughs> when you reached out to
0: me, I'm just like, you know what? Let me
1: give Muscle a little blessings. You know yes. what I
0: mean? Thank you. And you know, the funny thing with it was a long time ago. We've been in the business now professionally about 25 years, but it was when I was probably in my 15, 16 years, somebody turned to me and said, listen, it's about the relationships that you keep is what's gonna carry you to that level wherever you're trying to go next. You have to keep the relationships and foster them.
1: Absolutely, relationships is is the most important thing. Um, it's all about keeping your face clean and always just doing good. Um, the people that are like greedy or, you know what I mean, contentious and stuff like that, they normally like place themselves out of the business. Or it's not just music business, it's just business in general. You just have to be a good person. Yeah, you know what?
0: I mean? You're 100% true because, again, remember, I met you in 1999. ninety-nine. Right. Yes. We're now in 2020. That's 21 <laughs> years later, bro. 21. Wow.
1: You know, what's so crazy. Um, When we met, um, we met at a dance, it had oh, King Turbo, it had, which other song? Diplomats. It was so. King Turbo, Diplomat, Desert
0: Storm, Magnum Force. Yeah. Poison Dart.
1: Uh, yeah, that's why. Uh, you, you know what was crazy? That was yeah. like one of the first dates that I played for Poison Dart, and that was a very welcoming surprise. Yeah. And, <laughs> and and normally, I mean, I've met probably thousands of people over the past twenty-one years, and yeah. I would say what stuck out to me why I remembered you mm-hmm. mainly is because <laughs> that that event that was yeah. held at the, some firefighters' um, banquet hall. Mm-hmm. It, I, I remember me at the front page of the newspaper. It was in yeah. Scarborough. <laughs> and I think at the time they said it's found over 70 shells on the mm-hmm. floor. So that party got so shut up. I remember um, when the gun firing was happening and then everybody was on the floor. Oh, and I remember um, I, I was so scared. Like I had some dubs on me in my book <laughs> bag and they fell out. And then after I see, Bobby gave me his passport. Yeah. Bobby Chin okay. from Black yeah. China. And um, and then after right in the midst of the gunshot, all I remember is I just took up I said, Bobby, here is your passport. <laughs> <laughs> Bobby was just looking at me crazy. <laughs> but through, through that time, some of the figures there I just never forgot. You know what I'm saying? You 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 were one of them. Because mm-hmm. I remember mm-hmm. you put your your pedal in the cassettes and stuff like that.
0: Um and we were we were pretty much we were kids at the time basically. Mm-hmm. Of course, this is we're talking twenty one years ago, mm-hmm. and it's still just amazing that we're still actually in a business that we love so much. Mm-hmm. Change change a bit from where we first started, but we're still in it, and that's what makes it amazing.
1: Amazing, yeah, no, for real. Well, well, it's, it's about growth. In you know, at the end of the day, um, I wouldn't think that. Twenty-one years ago, we'd be doing exactly the same yeah. thing. And <laughs> 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 have a touch
0: <laughs> of like a little remix, like a little. You know what I mean. Yeah. Life changes. Mm-hmm. No, you understand hundred percent. Let's take this story right back to the beginning for the audience, so they can really understand where Mr. Dopes is coming from. All right, because I know originally you were in—you were born in Jamaica, and then mm-hmm. you moved to the States. All right. Well, I was—I was born in Jamaica. Yeah. Moved to Canada.
1: Yes, and then the the winter hit, and my mother is like, No, eh, eh, up here, too
0: cold. And she went to Miami. I had no idea what part of Canada you guys came
1: to. Um, I I don't even probably Scarborough, (laughs) we're all (laughs) Jamaicans at that time. Yeah, You, you remember that, um, back in the 70s, late 70s, early 80s, um. Canada was underpopulated at the time, so they, they opened up their borders to whoever wanted to come, just come. And, and yeah. they, they gave them residency. Hence, probably that's the reason why you're in Canada.
0: Yeah. You know what I For mean? Sure. you? So you were born in Canada. Yeah, I was born, but my parents came up, so then we were part of that, whole 70s, 80s type of trend there where there was a big uh migration to Canada.
1: And and you know the reason for that migration as well, um in, in Jamaica, Jamaica had a lot of prosperity, especially even after um nineteen sixty two when they got their independence. Okay. But then um then you know government and stuff took over and then um Michael Manley was in power at the time mm-hmm. and he was thinking about he was for the poor people and thinking about taking Jamaica communists. Mm-hmm. And okay. that's why that's why a lot of people left. Especially like I, I think most of the Chinese Jamaicans went to Canada, believe it yeah. or not. <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs>
1: there's still there's still a lot there.
0: Yeah, yeah. Because yeah. my wife is a Chin and she's um originally from Trelawney. Her, okay. her family. So yeah, so definitely I know that. I mean, okay, so then it was Jamaica. How old were you when you left Jamaica? Um, Almost two. I was two years okay, old. Okay, yeah. so then Jamaica is, is us. That's not even really part of the Superdub saga. It's just no. that's where we were born.
1: Well, I was born there and then I moved back twice. Um, mm-hmm. But I, I would say I spent probably less than five years of my life in Jamaica, even yeah. though I can't even properly like you know i mean <laughs> talk like an american or a canadian i can't i you, you, it's like i can't believe that i'm actually raised here but yeah. if i'm trying to talk to an american you yeah. can't hear my patois <laughs> like it's, it's crazy
0: one, one of those things there
1: oh, well i have i have um, a mother that is very jamaican and it's like she come from country and I just think that her
0: Jamaicanness is so strong that I just grew up with it. You know, yeah, it's the influence. Whatever you see at home is what influences you the most, and then you go on the road and you figure it out. But whatever you see in your mm. house is what influences you the most with what's going on there. Absolutely. Um, so okay, so then you guys went to Canada, then you went to the States. When did you discover that you really liked music at first? Not even wanted to do anything. When you discovered that you actually liked music,
1: um, I think. Um, I was told that as young as before I could talk, like mm-hmm. a few months, um, and I guess staying, in life, staying Alive was the popular song at the time, yeah. um, and they told me that I was like, before I could speak, I was even singing along to it, saying, ah, 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 yeah. ah, so <laughs> I think I was just born with the love of it, and then um, my mom was always working, because my... My dad had like a supermarket back then and stuff Mm -hmm. like that. And um, so she was always working. So my aunt raised me and my aunt, I would say um, basically gave me my love of music because she loved music, but she used to play a lot of like country. So I grew up with a lot of country music in my life. So Kenny Rogers, Dolly Parton, Mm -hmm. um, Anne Murray, which is also Canadian. Yeah. Um, So I remember that from my, from my younger days and, and uh, you know everybody was the seventies, the disco age. So I grew up with a lot of that. I, I don't know if I actually really f- knew about reggae, reggae like that
0: until I was much older. Okay, so it's so you didn't really hear reggae per se in your house. You had to basically go out and seek that out.
1: Exactly. Well, I'm talking, you know, in, in in just like with with certain relatives and stuff. I will I will know about the Bob Marley and stuff like that. But it wasn't that wasn't like my aunt's favorite. That, that's the one that the aunt that raised me since I was like
0: toddler coming up you know what i mean yeah crazy crazy okay so then there you that's where you discover you like music and what did you want to be growing up as a kid
1: um i actually wanted to be a singer believe it or not a singer a singer okay and that's something that I actually tried to pursue at one point. <laughs> I <have> no idea. <laughs> but but uh, and I actually can sing. You know what I mean? Not not. I don't know if I can sing well anymore because I, that just have not been in practice for many years. But um, I actually wanted to be a
0: singer. I had no idea. What type you know? of music?
1: Um, just I. I was just a a lover of music. You know what I mean. In general, just 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 whatever I heard. You know, like um whatever was popular at the time. I remember listening to Phil Collins, Lionel Richie, um things like stylistics, spinners. So it, it, it's pretty diverse. You know what I mean. Wham. Madonna, and Michael this is, Jackson.
0: This is um, from mid 70s to mid 80s type of thing. Exactly. That's, that's exactly. Where you're speaking
1: my about. Miami Vice days, um a lot of the music influenced with that and then um mm-hmm. and like I would say in the mid 80s that's when um that's when hip hop started to emerge mm-hmm. as like um like that's when hip hop really started to get popular. Like with the like Run DMC and all those early forefathers. You mm-hmm. you would hear a couple of things about them. Like you know, remember they had the Rappers Delight and yeah,
0: Cool mod Fat
1: Cool Mo-D. mod Well, and but and that was much. That was like after. You know yeah. what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So um, yeah, Cool Modie Fat was in fact. I actually know one of them. Um, he used to, he was on the radio station here. Um, Prince okay. Marquetti, the Puerto yes. Rican one. Yes, uh, yes. Okay. I haven't seen him in years though.
0: Yeah. That's crazy. They're so singer. So when do you decide say okay, you know what? You don't really want to pursue singing. You basically want to start playing music opposed to actually singing it.
1: Well, how I, how I even got into like say playing music, you know, is my brother's um I, I'm I'm the baby out of twelve. My 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 dad was a gangster. Yeah. <laughs> <He> was, <laughs> Clearly. So five five baby mamas, um yeah. And definitely, um, I was the baby, so I, I was the last one. So my brothers are much older than me. So okay. they started a, a DJ shop where um, they actually like sold like DJ equipment and built equipment and stuff like that. And they okay. they were DJs themselves. So they had um, they used to hold their parties back in the early eighties in Miami, Cosmic Force, and I actually grew up seeing that and. I think that is what led me to ultimately want to be a DJ. And then when I was a kid, I used to go around the shop and help out and stuff yeah. like that. Um, and then I started DJing from a very young age. Like um, I, I made it on the radio station, the biggest radio station here at the time, which is still exists today. on um, Power 96 when I was like 13, 14. Wow. But I started DJing even before that.
0: Or um, Yeah. And did you actually know somebody at the station or was you sent in a demo? My, how did you get to the station?
1: Well, my brother knew somebody named Phil Jones. He's also Jamaican, but he's very Americanized. I think he was, like came from New York down there, like back in the 80s. And um, he worked there. And um, my brother's like, yo... Put my little brother on there, which that's kind of crazy. It's like, how oh, can you? If I know, it's like you have your radio station when you yeah. look at the person and say, "Yo, put my 13 yeah. or 14 year old brother on the station." You'll, you'll be like, um, no. <laughs> 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 but, and so I, I, went on the radio station now, and um. Mm-hmm. I impressed them, and I ended up staying on there w- into my adulthood. Like so, basically, when when I met you was around that time that I left it. Okay, so you're talking this is from like 1990, all the way up until '99.
0: Crazy, that yeah. is crazy. So you went in, they liked your style, and what type of music were you actually playing on the radio? At that
1: um, I, I, the first time um I went on there, I played um mostly reggae, but um. I loved hip hop more than anything else, so I would even more recommend, like said that I was more of a hip hop DJ than even just reggae. And then, um, then in the early 90s, you had an influx of like the influence of like reggae hip hop, like that was popularized like by Slam Remy. Yeah. And then you remember like Daddy Freddy, and and then you you talking these songs like um the Mad Lion or KRS One yes. used to always touch with the BDP movement because you always dabbled in the reggae, but then think he produced like Mad Lion, no. you know, gotta take it easy. Too many suckers mm. are heading up there. <laughs> yes. And then yeah, you had, you had um, the Ghetto Red Hot, which produced by Bobby Kandas. and um and then um well the remix was um basically produced by Bobby Kanda's and Salam Remy which Salam Remy he commissioned Salam Remy to make it and um that was a massive hit. Then you that had was like
0: Supercat you're talking about.
1: Super cat yeah mm-hmm. sometimes so back on they so might rally back. Um, then you just had like a lot of things that influenced me. And then I'm like, Oh, cool. That is so amazing. Um, whole hip hop and reggae matchup. And, um, that was really more or less my influence, which you hear in my CDs much later on. Yeah. You know what I mean? Crazy, so, crazy. but I, I, but in the midst of all of that, um, I started like dabbling into producing when I was like 16, 17. Um, my brother also built the studio and, um, just for fun, we'll just be in there, and um, we'll just like me and my cousin, which my cousin lives in Canada. Is called, um, is, uh, call him Teddy. Okay. Um, he lives in Canada now, but this is when he used to live down here. So he and I would start to mess around with the drum machine, and and then because we wanted to be a group, so he was the rapper, I was the singer, and okay, and then at first I used to try to like um. I, I cause I knew a couple guys that made beats, you know what I mean, and we wanted this thing, but nobody took us seriously. So my yeah. brother had the drum machine, so we went in the studio and I started to make my own beats, and that's how I started producing.
0: Okay, and what type of beats was it? What style of beats were you making at this? Um,
1: time? It, it was it was like reggae hip hop. It was like more. It was more like um reggae hip hop. Mm-hmm. Um, basically like reggae samples with hip-hop drums it was a bit, bit more reminiscence to like Born Americans which we actually right. we actually used to idolize Born Americans do you remember Born Americans? of course <laughs> <laughs>
0: yeah, of course yeah well, I think they were weren't they from they weren't D- from Miami. DC they D-C. were DC yeah, yeah. Uh, that-
1: which, which Notch, Notch, um is one of my best friends
0: yeah Oh, Notch was actually one of the singers that was yes, there.
1: Yes, Notch Notch was the well Notch actually was a singer and then Ed Shine was the um yes. was the was the rapper, which he ended up staying in DC mm-hmm. and um Notch um left
0: after mm-hmm. that. So Because um, if you think about it, I remember Notch was on some of the early Black Chinese mix CDs. Yes, yes, yeah. yes. Okay, but let's stop there. We're not going there yet. You <laughs> are yeah, not yeah, going down yeah, that yeah. Black Ch- But I remember Notch. I do remember that name. It was N-O-T-C-H, not K-N-O-T-C-H. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah, yes. I remember that. Wow. And what was your DJ name back then also?
1: The, my 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 name was always Dubs, derived from Jojobs. Jojobs was my nickname. And then That's they started to... Um, called me Buddha Dupes and yeah. then after it just got shortened to Dupes and then, and then um, well, I guess when I was trying to figure out my DJ name, I think my brother is the one who's like, "Yeah, man, you're yeah, my DJ Dupes because he used to call me Dupes and it just stuck. Um, um, years later, like I guess when I was like eighteen, you no, know, um, mm-hmm. I met up with some guys, and um, their name was Rhythm Style in Southwest Miami, and then I started to work with them when I was, like, 18, and um, that's how I got the name Super on my name because we used to do these parties named Super Jams, and, and then after, in fact, Zachary Harding, which is Jeremy Harding, which was Sean, Paul uh, Sean Paul's producer uh, at one time, manager, not No More, mm-hmm. um, is the one who actually gave me
0: that name. Okay. Uh, and you're talking, this is probably, like, 94, 95. Yeah, that's crazy there. And just uh, remember... <laughs> when you're getting names and stuff you don't really know the value of this name and how far this name is going to take it and where you're going to see these names in lights it's just oh i'm a dj i could live with this name here
1: yeah well i i it just so happens that uh I, I guess it's because I, I i didn't even know what dupes actually mean i i found out afterwards that dupes mean like what was the meaning of it? Well, you said dupes, Don our Dupes. Yeah,
0: yeah, Don Dupes, you know what I mean? Big man, bridging friend, you know what exactly.
1: I mean? Exactly. And then after, it's just somehow I just got that name, Super Dupes, and yeah. people like it. I didn't particularly care for it. But okay. <laughs> just, <laughs> but you just ran it. With just, it. Just, yeah, it just stuck with me.
0: You know That's what I mean? So crazy there. And then what was the first song? Because you're DJing on your own, you're on the radio. And what was the first song you actually joined, you said? Um, name Rhythm Style rhythm style yeah and they were in northwest miami no they were in south miami south South miami
1: Miami, like kendall Mm -hmm. and then i I rock with them for a little while um Mm -hmm. and then in the midst of all of that tour even i was playing on the power 96 and then there was this new radio station that emerged yeah that culturally shaped miami in a different way no it was a Pirate radio station named Mix 96. Yes. yes, And I would go on Mix 96 under rhythm style name because uh, uh, Porn 96 is a commercial radio. So I had to play like songs that are pretty much more or less known and were more hip hop Mm. commercial influence. And then Mix 96, you could play anything because it was pirate. pirate (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) (laughs) So, uh, and through that radio station is where I met like DJ Khaled. DJ Khaled was also on that radio station. So you're talking, this is 25 years ago.
0: Crazy, okay, I wanna dig into uh, this radio station because I've heard about this radio station for as long as I've heard about Miami, I've heard about that radio station. How did you set up, How or even how was a pirate station set up back then, especially where there's no internet or anything? How uh, did they set it up, and where was this so, radio station? So the, the radio station was started by this guy named
1: Daddy. Daddy Saw, rest in peace, he passed away from leukemia. Okay. Um, like a little bit after that, and then um, it was him and but- another guy we call Joey, Joey Butterfuko, which um, he now manages buju Okay. So, yes, and then yeah. what they did is um, they had this arena in Miami. Um, and basically the arena had this uh, tall apartment building beside it. It was called Miami Arena at the time. It doesn't exist anymore. Okay. Um, in downtown Miami, and this tall building was about thirty-eight stories. So they they I guess they couldn't afford the 30th story, so they were on the 37th, and they just hung an antenna up there with 100 watts, and it would pick up as far south as where I live. Okay. Yeah, with 100 watts. And that's and that, how the station was born? And that's how the station was born. And this, wow. is, this is before Serato. This is records. Like, so you literally had to like, bring the records upstairs with elevators and all of that stuff
0: crazy and then i guess they put together djs so this is Butterfuku and his partner running the station and then the djs coming in now with people like you dj khaled who else was papa that?
1: keith um yeah. there was a girl named lady terror um yes i remember her um it, it was it was, a, it was a bunch of different people like cool and Dre was on there you know cool and Dre, the hip-hop producer yeah. yes so they were on there too so you're talking this is early miami so and and the great thing about it, we're all still around. You know what I'm yeah. saying? Cool. Um, yeah, so it, it, a lot of people won't know this history. And I'm, I'm actually fortunate and will cherish these moments that I actually got to live through it. And that was the early days of the Fujis And the Fujis actually blew up off of that station in Miami. You know what I mean? They what? actually went on there. And I, I think they were performing with Buju at one time. And then... Their thing went crazy, and that this is like before, like the Fuji Law and all of that stuff. Yeah. And, yeah.
0: So, this is Wycliffe Praz and Lauren Hill. Yes. And then, I guess, at this time, because New York, I don't think, was known for Pirate Radio Station. That was more of a mm-hmm. Miami thing at that time. There. Yes. Yeah.
1: Well, well I'm talking, a Pirate Radio Station wasn't nothing new, you know, but um, the, the ingenious thing that. That is Saw uh, did at the time, which which um, was Butterfucker's partner, is that he know the higher up he goes, the the longer range he can transmit. So, uh, if I do, if I'm not mistaken, he had it in Fort Lauderdale, but it, it it didn't transfer far because he was low. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So if you look now and you see like these TV antennas or cell phone towers, they're high up yeah um so he figured that out
0: <laughs> <laughs> a little sometimes a little bit of knowledge could be a very dangerous thing because why would you even know something like that? how could you figure that out I know youtube or, or yeah. Google at the time huh oh, man it's somebody telling you okay so then what was the vibe like at that radio station what type of music what were you and cali doing and other djs and it, stuff
1: it, it it was mainly um. Reggae, and then you had, and then Khaled used to be the hip hop DJ in there. But it was, it was just, it was the, the music that the streets wanted to hear. It was like the emerging music at the time mm-hmm. um, that the radio stations wasn't going to pull up because you know radio stations they, they just stick to what kind of works. And um, but with these with these programs on there, um, like said with with reggae. We used to have a reggae station here, but it was A.M., and then they wouldn't go as hardcore just based on censorship and stuff like that. But with this, we were playing the music that was emerging out of Jamaica and stuff like that, and it 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 actually made and did a lot of wonders for reggae music and dancehall music in general, not only just for Miami, but because of these influential stations in Miami now, yeah. people used to listen to Mix 96 and call in. To Power 96, which is a legal station, and asked if they could play this song. And then a lot of the songs them got known because of Mix 96. Like songs like Everyone Falls in Love Sometime, Tight Up Skirt, okay. Um Red Rat. And you know, like all these songs that that blew up. Like Mix 96 was like re- pretty much mm-hmm. the people that helped to break that.
0: Yeah, that's that's interesting there because again, as you said, this is pre-internet. So this is basically like an internet station that you guys the, are running. Yeah, like, this is like ninety picked up locally.
1: Yeah, this is like 95, 96, yeah. 95 actually. Nobody's thinking about no internet then. No, what, <laughs> you, what, you remember you remember back then cell phones? Like I'm talking, cell phones did exist, but not like this. You know what I mean? No you know, way. you didn't have cell phones
0: <laughs> no, no way pagers yes cell phones, pagers ah, yes and then it's you
1: and then after it's like you, you would have to like go to a pay phone you now to call up yeah and, and pray that somebody's yeah. there <laughs> <laughs> and then they come meet well, you downstairs and yeah.
0: yeah so that was pretty much the process crazy okay and how long did that radio station last for
1: Um, that radio station lasted all the way up until probably just the other day, man. But like I'm talking due to their, it was a pirate radio station. It will come in and out. But what that did know, they started some parties back in the day named Rockers Island. And that's when, that's when stuff really started to shine through. And like, Mm -hmm. that's when Khaled really started to emerge as like an impact. Mm -hmm. And and Khaled, Khaled was always tied to the, to the dance hall. And, when he started he actually started as a dancehall DJ. So that man knows as much about reggae as anybody
0: else. See you know what so I mean? He was originally a dancehall DJ that switched to hip hop. Exactly. No clue. Had no idea. I know he's been connected from time but I didn't know that he started reggae and then went to hip hop. I thought yes. he was always hip hop.
1: Yes, so so let me tell you what happened though. So after the mixed 96 days now, um, while I was still on part 96 by the way, mm-hmm. I started making Khaled's remixes for him. but before let me back up a little bit before, but the, the all right, so my aunt now back in 94 95 no, um had she she was investing in me and my cousin because she saw how serious we, uh, we were and then she spent five thousand dollars on this drum machine, which I still have today. Okay. MPC 3000. And then um, me and my cousin now, going back to my rapping days, and we went to yeah. Spec You remember Spec specialist? <laughs> yes, Shabba Labour. Yes, 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 Shabaliaba. Yes, and yes, then, um, yes. One of the guys that worked there, we went to him and we played him our stuff. We were all excited. You know, we were yeah. young kids. And <laughs> and then he's like, basically, give it up and go find a day job. So I got yeah. demoralized. And that's what made me like really just go back into DJing all the way. But I still had this drum machine. Yeah. So I made use of it. And that's when I started the, the remixes. So ho, ho, what triggered me to do the remix? I remember the remixes that Chinese Laundry used to do back in the late 80s, early 90s. Mm-hmm. But I wasn't really interested in remixing. And what, what really got me interested is Delano. When Delano started to do the, the remixes. So I remember he, um, he looped the natural mystic beat and then he put he put, like, another song over it. And I'm like, wow, that's cool.
0: Yeah. yeah and
1: remember. so so what I didn't know is because I had the ability to manipulate beats and all of that, because I had a drum machine, mm-hmm. um, I, I started to do remixes differently than Delano. And then um, I, I started to put out remixes. Like, my brother, Noam, was he at a record shop at that point. And, okay. um, and then I would give him these remixes, and then he would press them on wax, which, which if you don't remember, like... Um, they had these remixes that they, I used to call white boy remixes.
0: Okay. What were? What do you say? Why did you call them that?
1: Because they would never think as a Chinese person. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and literally, that's the idea. But well, there was a, a remix that um, the only remix I probably ever asked for. Mm-hmm. Um, and it wasn't, it wasn't given to me. Uh, I asked Masterly at the time for it. Masterly yes. when he used to play in Travelers. Yeah, okay um and then after he wouldn't give it to me and i just remembered it and then i remade it and when i put it on a hip-hop beat 10 times better than the, the the remix was which was fed up well poor people fed up fed, fed up fed up well poor people fed up on the hate me now beat
0: okay because okay since we're talking about that that was the first time i met you 99 that was a remix that you gave to magnum force and they were playing in the dance before you guys started to play yes. that exact same one there
1: yeah but that was on record that yeah. was that actually was our record, and then after, remember, walk and live, live, talk and dead, dead, walk yeah. and live, and oh, they come up, box like a bull in Chicago, I did that too, and you remember the you remember the um the keyboard um hands up, hands up, hands up, hands yes. up. Oh, me una, and I don't want that was that was all me, but that nobody, years. nobody knew that at the time. And then, um, and then what? What really gave him a break is that I started to give those remixes to Khaled and started to make his, his remixes, and then it blew Khaled up.
0: I see, because then now he has a different flavor that he's bringing to the exactly. So,
1: so he popularized what I was doing because you remember these are uh, these were bootlegs at the time, so I couldn't make anybody. You know, I never wanted anybody to shoot. <laughs> so yeah. So then what I did know is I I gave these things to Khaled, and then after I started to make Khaled's own personal stuff, and this time, now, I transitioned to Poison Art, which was a little bit... It was a transition, and then I met you a little bit after that. Yeah, yeah. And then after that, now, is, like, Khaled blew up, like, massive, massive, massive. And then... But Khaled didn't do this. Khaled didn't make mixed CDs. so. I saw I used to go all the places with him now and then I started to I started to make black China now.
0: But how black came about. How did Black China even that name? How did that name even come about?
1: Okay, so how black China came about now? So it was in my transition. Um I went to Cayman Islands one time. So so with Rhythm Style, we we were good and people started to like book us out of the country. Like we went to like Bama, St. Lucia. Okay k um, and I remember I met this guy named Richard Flores, which Richard Flores um, managed Stylo G. No, he's still in the business. One, still one of my good friends. Okay. Um, so, what happened, now is that I met him from the Rhythm Style days, and this, no, the transition point, when I left Rhythm Style, now going into Poison Dart, and then he got in trouble in Cayman, so he came up from Cayman for a little and he was at his sister's house at Fort Lauderdale and he was like, I'm bored. I'm like, just come. And then he and I started Black China together. He was the black, I was the Chinese. But he left nice. shortly after that. So like when we did the first CD, he left. It, I guess he didn't know if it was going to blow up or not. But I then I took it, the platform and then it kept going. Mm-hmm. So so even when I met you, you know, Black China was around at that
0: time, you know. Even though you guys were playing Poison Dirt, Exactly. But so- was Black Chinese actually supposed to be a sound, or was just a mix CD?
1: It wasn't supposed to be a sound. So let me tell you how Black Chinese got out. So it's like the first one, it just out of nowhere. Um, because I had to think about how things were done differently. So it's like everybody packaging would look the same. So I got this clamshell thing, and then it was kind of hard to get it printed at the time if you didn't have right. the license. Yeah. So then I got, my friend had a color copier. So I just went there, got the circles, and then I mm-hmm. color copied on it. And then I gave some to Reggae Wear at the time. That was a big shop that sold, like, Jamaican merch at the time. Got you. Um, and it just blew up from there. Like, I'm talking, like, just because of how it looks, it just blew up. And, and this then- was number one. I'm talking, I don't know if it was number one yet, but it was just It was just like there was no CD that I was actually done like that. You know what I mean? That where the, every single mix was perfect. You remember everything up until that point was all done by Hanina. That's true.
0: That's 100% true.
1: So this one, now, this one, I, I think I did it on ADAT. So even if I messed up the CD, um, I, I just rewind and then I correct it. And then, you now I introduce something that no other CD was doing at the time remixes so i started to put those same remixes that you know on the yeah. cds but these same remixes on the cds Khalid were playing those oh, and you remember caled was big at the time so yes. no because those mix those remixes were on my cds you now everybody's like wow these are the
0: remixes caled play <laughs> and literally that's how black china blew up and that's crazy. And, so it was a win-win for all parties involved, where it's like, exactly. okay, I'm giving you the material, but you're giving me the notoriety, so then I'm going to be pushing it and making my money and, from the scene. And
1: hear this. And then the reason why I joined Poison Dart is yes. access to their acapellas.
0: <laughs> okay, that makes... Okay, because listen, full disclosure, I was talking to um Kirksey a couple of weeks ago, and okay. he told me the original Black Chinese... Like those bounties and stuff you're hearing, those were originally Poison Darts. Yes, they're, the poison out. they're Poison Dart.
1: They're Poison dubs. I even gave them the Khaled too. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but he didn't mind because I also yeah. gave Poison Dart these remixes too. But it it's just over a period of time that it it Black China just got bigger than Poison Dart. Then um I had to make a move. You know what I mean? And then Bobby was there with me. Me and Bobby were working on Poison Dart together. And then I'm just like, yo, let's not change anything. Just come and we just we just did it keep a lot of people with black china was originally started by me and richard flores but Mm -hmm. bobby did not originally start black china but bobby i would say bobby is an original part of black china because we grew it together as a soul and 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 the thing is now i remember in 2000 now my father passed away so i went down there Mm -hmm. um and then word got out now, this was by the time it was at Black Chyney 4. Yes. And then um, all uh, I remember now going to I was down in Jamaica um, for my father's funeral and stuff. I ended up staying a little while word got out now that it was me. And then I remember going around to Master Lee's studio mm-hmm. and then the place just crowded. Like got crowded with all these artists now wanting to be on Black Chinese. This is before okay. Black Chinese had any dubs like that. The okay. first person actually gave away a dubbing it was is Beanie Man. Being him on an elephant man,
0: yeah, they didn't know that, yeah, yeah, because, okay.
1: so so then though, it's like um they all gave us dubs and stuff, but the the dubs them only said super dubs Bobby chin, and then I remember like I got the first set of dubs them now, and this was December two thousand um and then I remember like the next time though like um we're getting more dubs and we didn't know that it was actually a song bounty killer pointed it out to me and said yo youth black China is the song yeah Babichin and super dubs are the selectors and then me and bobby looked at each other and we oh, <laughs> would you believe this entire time we never thought of it <laughs> And so then, what
0: did you think this Black Chinese was? Yeah,
1: Because I don't know. You know, we yeah. I mean, were basically like young at the time, you know. And then um, it's like um, after that, like you would say, like three months after that, Black Chinese was a worldwide name. That's when we blew
0: up in Jamaica, March March two thousand and one. Right. So from December, you got your first set of dubs in December. You remixed them. I guess you had put out a CD yes. right after that. Yes, yes. That's where everything started to go.
1: That's when everything started to go. And I think it, it just went, it went so fast. It went like 5 million miles an hour. Um, And definitely was not prepared for it. Definitely was not prepared for yeah. everything that came along with it. Um, And it was, it was,
0: it was great at the same time, and then not so great. You know what so, I mean? Okay. When did you notice that the CD started to bubble? What was the first indication? Because, again, I don't think the internet was around those times.
1: Yes, no, sure no. Started In, the internet started popping at the time. At the time, you had this site named Dancehall Reggae, and yeah, that's where scrappy. everybody used to go. Yeah, the, Scrappy. Mm-hmm. And... Um, I just remember now how I, how I noticed that it, when it started to get big noise, it's all the only attention we started to get, and, and mostly attention from Jamaica. Remember at that time, mm-hmm. you if you are in dance hall, if you wasn't big in Jamaica, you wasn't saying nothing worldwide. So at we all. blew up in Jamaica as big as like a new artist. You know what okay. I mean?
0: And so, especially coming from a foreign base, because that's exactly. usually it's usually if you're going to blow up in Jamaica, it's because you are in Jamaica and then you go out. It's weird for you to be from foreign, blow up in Jamaica and then take it back to the well,
1: world. Well, remember I said, that's the same. That's the same situation for Khaled, you know, because mm-hmm. Khaled really blew up in Jamaica. He he got his name known in Jamaica, but then he really blew up in Jamaica and then everybody started to know him. Yeah, you know what I mean. Mm-hmm. But remember, like fully loaded, it was. I think it was fully loaded two thousand. Or- yeah then the Wyclef came down there and, yes. and that's when the whole dance hall scene started to emerge. And then I would say like with all of that, now I got acceptance
2: mm-hmm.
1: with, with the black China thing, which, which with Canada now, mm-hmm. how black China got known in Canada, believe it or not, is that same dance. Yeah. Black China actually blew up in Canada before probably everywhere else. You know what okay. I mean? Yeah. The reason why is I remember, um, when I was going to Canada now and, um, I was bringing some CDs with me mm-hmm. Um, to sell, and I guess nobody wanted to buy it, and they didn't know what the hell it was. I remember at the time, and I remember, I remember that um, the 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 people, like the black people especially in, in okay. Scarborough, <laughs> they used to look at Chinese people as being corny. You if you remember. So I remember, like it was go, totally different. I going right. to China, I going to a Jamaican restaurant. I'm here the people. The man, I'm saying.
0: Yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah. So. So what I did know is um I went around with all the, the, the flea markets and shops and then I started to give everybody a CD. I probably gave you a CD at the time. Yeah, of course. And then and then basically I said, yo, just burn it. And literally from that, mm-hmm. Black China got known all over Canada. In fact, um, people like Drake and all these people that are you now famous from Canada yeah. actually
0: knows about me from those cds i wish that's crazy to me yeah no that's you know insane I mean? it was so monumental what black Chinese did it was epic and again as you said you you just wanted to make some remixes poisoner had some had the, the acapella so okay i'll do some stuff yeah i could make some extra money on this i give the cal i get some notoriety but i don't think in your wildest dreams you could understand the movement that would have come came out of those. Scenes.
1: No, I I I d I didn't see it. And really and truly it was started because I needed to pay a phone bill. Yeah. I know <laughs> yeah. cell phones came out, but cell phones were expensive. So call me you know, after eight. Maguadans? dance. No, it wasn't even before that. It was like straight twenty-five cents a minute. And this is US, you know. And if you people that muggle and say, Yeah, this yeah. and that, and and then after my muggle and muggle until the phone bill was five hundred dollar. yet, And that's how black china was started.
0: You need to find a way to pay a phone bill. So it's like almost like thank that phone company for that crazy bill. Yes. Because that's what presented this crazy legendary thing, Black Chinese. All right. And do you remember what number CD it was that you actually blew on? Um Black Chinese 4. It was number four but 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 we were actually bigger big in canada before that cd we were we were big in canada from black china too from number two from two and three yes you know what to tell you the truth you're right because where i actually got i think i got number i never got one i got number two and three it was from this guy in montreal he said yo this is the hottest stuff right now and he sent it to me i said yo what is this we've never heard anything like this one day ever and at first it was like it was a different section of people that were buying it it wasn't a hardcore dancehall crowd that was buying the black Chinese. it was people that liked reggae but they were more into hip-hop and mm-hmm. that's that's what they want hey give me that black Chinese stuff
1: I, I you know what it's so crazy shortly after that i met cardinal official
0: Yeah, uh,
1: and I, I met cardinal official in jamaica mm-hmm. i think probably in 2000 2001 uh, probably 2001 at Bounty Killers Party, it's a party, okay. And Cardi and I have been pretty much cool ever since, you know and what I mean. And Cardi, Ch- okay, yeah, no, no, this was when Black China just started to bust, yeah. And then, um, Cardinal and I forged a relationship since then because Cardinal was pretty much doing the same thing,
0: yes, yeah. As he was the artist, you guys were the DJ, so it exactly. made sense. You guys understood each other right away, just looking at right each other, away. say, Hey. You're you, you're you. I get it. You know what I mean? Even if (laughs) nobody else gets you guys in the world, at least you two understand and see the vision from back then.
1: Exactly. And and it's it's so crazy is that... um... A lot of people that are innovating, I don't think really even know or even try to innovate. They just innovate because uh, I think all of that is just a, a product of just you doing a lot of great work. You know yeah. what I mean? You you do it from your heart. You do it with love. You do it with passion. And it can't be anything else than that. Or that that experience or that level of thinking would never happen. And a lot of it has to do with hunger too. You know, you're, yeah. you're tired for Brooke. Yeah. You know what I mean? all <laughs> of them years, Yeah,
0: yeah. So you need something like, can I get something so I can actually get moving and started? You know what I mean? Understand, okay, so then now you have the CDs, these are doing good. So then now when did the production start to take?
1: Uh, Well, well, the production started to take place. Um, I think um, that same time that my father died, um, Mm -hmm. the, the week that he died is the same week that I dropped Black China 5. Got you. And then from Black China 5, no, it was just phenomenally crazy. And then yeah. we were in Jamaica every other week. We're charging some big money for, at the time. We're charging probably three, four times what a regular song Stone Love would charge in Jamaica. What? And, yeah. And then um, just leading up after that, no, I think the following year, mm-hmm. um, I made Black China 6 because I wanted to switch it up now. Okay. So I made a mixed CD that was supposed to be Black Chinese Six. Mm-hmm. But then I, I I just it was just so much going on at the time. That's when I told you like things got crazy. You no. Know? Mm-hmm. Um so what was going on in the background is that yes, now we're getting famous worldwide. Then money didn't even start coming in like that yet. Okay. And then now all of a sudden now you see a lot of greed started to happen.
0: From jump
1: from jump yeah. and then you see a lot of hating you remember even dancehall reggae.com I, I don't think dancehall reggae.com liked us because we were going against the grain of what traditional dancehall was and that site hated us i remember the first time i saw that mm-hmm. it broke my heart you know what i mean because i'm just like yo i'm doing this so good um and you don't like what i'm doing and they, they just bad me yeah. And then now all of the DJs then that you, you were cool growing up with you now just because you started to get more popular then them started to sabotage you. In addition to that, then a lot of begging started to happen. Then then not only with that, with family, with friends, with and then after it was just a pretty sad moment. So the, the CD that was supposed to be Black Chinese Six now, I just remember like I kinda got depressed at the time. I could have bought finish it, and it was a promo CD named Bubbles, which that blew up worldwide too. Yes. And yes. it was a promo CD mm-hmm. for like a dance or something like yeah, that. Yeah, for a dance. And it, it was mm-hmm. so that originally was a black Chinese six. And then mm-hmm. I wanted to switch it up. I'm just like, man, I'm bored. Mm-hmm. So then Black Chinese Six, I put a lot of my own beats on there, which, which some of the most of the beats on there I think was made with me and my cousin at the time that lives in Canada. Um, I call Freddie, was yeah. Teddy the name. Yeah. Um, and then that was not well received. It, it literally
0: wasn't. wasn't. I remember because that was the one where they quote unquote said it flopped because you guys were super sky hot, red hot up until that point there.
1: No, but we, but we never we never ever dropped, you know, because we, we were still getting booked like crazy. Yeah. Um it I would I wouldn't even say it flopped because it's either you loved it or you hate it. And believe it or not, most people actually loved it because it yeah. was it was just a very bold step. Yeah. And no, in hindsight, looking back, I'm glad that I was that bold to make that step. Mm-hmm. So coming after Black Chinese seven, I'm going to the production mm-hmm. so shortly. So when Black Chinese 7 came about now, so this time we were red fire hot, like, no, we, not only Jamaica wanted us, no, the world wanted us. So you're talking, I just remember touring so much, like literally we, me and Bobby were never home. So no, we had to actually start bringing in other people to help us fill some of these dates. Mm -hmm. Um, And then the, like you would say like Black Chinese 7, I think was literally made like on the road like partially on the road. And um and then it's like we made that now. And then after Black China 8 came around now, and then I'm just like, you know what? I kind of probably hit them a little bit too much with my beats. Okay. So mm-hmm. I'm going to put one beat on there. And that beat was Cooper Rhythm.
0: Wow. And this is where... That's what the production what, thing started.
1: That's where the production thing started. But even before that, I was dabbling in it still. Um, mm-hmm. um like um I was working with Danger one at the time, which um which they had a hit too. You remember the the Jackie song, Please Call Jamaica? Yeah. And so I made that for them. You made that? Yes, I made that for them.
0: They didn't know that.
1: Yep, and, and just a bunch of other things in between, but like but the Copa. On the Black Chinese CD was really what catapulted my production. It also catapulted Black China to a different height as well. Okay. Because now we weren't just a song, now. We we were a song, and then now we're we're having hits, you know what I mean? Okay. And from from that I, I just went to like many other things. Um it was Joel Chin uh, one of the time. Well, no, actually, you know what? Who I met my manager now, Mister Morgan. Mister Morgan is oh, yeah. from, from Canada. At the time, he used to manage Cardinal. He works with um with with Ovio now. So, so let me. In fact, I I can't even remember my discography. So
2: mm-hmm.
1: I remember I take a Jack Creation dub, which was which was the the Capleton, Who you call a nigga? Which, yeah. which you know we we're splice masters at the time. I <laughs> <laughs> so splice out their name. And then I put it on the corporate rhythm on my CD. Yeah. And then I put a bunch of dubs on it. And, um, and I remember giving Mr. Morgan one. Note. Mr. Morgan is like this one, he was working with Nina Sky. So okay. the, this one, they had the song on the coolie dance move. Yeah, body girl. So they needed a second single. So then he hit me up and he said, whose beat is this? And I'm like, it's mine. And literally, that's how it happened. And from that day on, Mr. Morgan has been my manager
0: 16 years now. Crazy, because remember this group—they weren't. They didn't really have a big. They had their one song that was bubbling, but they hadn't gotten that catapult that they needed yet. Yes, and I think it was a second single that really did better for them than their first single.
1: The first single did extremely well. I, I, I would say the first single did better, but the but my single did well um, because it was their second single. But the problem with, with between my single and the first single is my single never had a video. Because I think them and the label followed around that time. Yeah, you understand? Mm-hmm. But but it was still massive worldwide, anyways. But that was literally the first song on the like legit song on the beat. And then when that started to bubble, now that's when um Joel Chin, rest in peace, mm-hmm. worked for VP, mm-hmm. um called me and say, "Yo, can can I use this song?" Um, on the CD cable and I'm like, ask him if, it, if it's available, like if he did it for anybody. I'm like, no. And then literally, my license hit upon and then I went to Jamaica and I remember I got Jamaica now and I had like, I had a few grand. I, I don't remember how much it was. It was like 10 grand I had with me or something like that.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And my all, my all of it, go down there and come up back with three songs. So two from Elephant Man, which one was Father Elephant.
0: Yes. On the same
1: then, beat. Yeah, on the same beat. And one from Vibes Cartel. And then... Then I had the Nina Sky and then Notch voice on it. Too. Notch, Notch actually, I think, Notch actually was the first song on it. Everybody want to be... No, that I remember. Because when I was making the beat, that's when he wrote it. It's mm-hmm. when I was making the beat, Notch, was, Notch and Willichin was who made me identify that. it actually was a hit. Um, And then I kind of was like demoralized because i'm like damn man this these men think some of have all type of money no, i'm charging me all type of big figure <laughs> yeah and i just put out those songs i just, I literally just put out the, those first few and every other song mm-hmm. it, it blew up and then everybody else was just sending
0: me songs okay so were those those originally came out on cds or records or they were just for the mix cd no
1: records records
0: they came I, out on records
1: yeah if you if you study black china those songs are actually not on a mix cd I never put those the only song out of out of those songs I think that was uh, came out on the Copa legit wise was yeah. VIP from notch yeah and um and who you call a
0: nigga? that's it yeah and the rest were strictly that was forty fives
1: yeah exactly and 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 I remember Sean Paul voiced on it um it was like it would say like the beat had it was on like six different major labels so Tammy Chin voiced on it Sean Paul David Banner um pitbull did a remix with um with nina sky mm-hmm. it, it, it just it just went crazy and and then after that now um i met well this is when a young rihanna when she was 16 years old getting signed i'm on i'm actually on her first album and i remember cardinal cypher songs all had something to do with and they wrote me in and and then after that like um I
0: started to work with Collie Buds. Okay.
1: Yeah, so then after that, now we Collie Buds. Hold and-
0: on one second. Before we get to Collie Buds, with the Rihanna, what song did you actually produce on her album?
1: I actually did um, No, 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 which it was uh, with the Cartel on it, which which I didn't like the production at the time because I think those guys really messed up what I did. Okay. Um, our managers at the time are people I was assigned to. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I did a remix to Unfaithful little bit of yeah the reggae remix to unfaithful yes i i remember that 100 yeah, percent. yeah so so i did that she even performed it at um on some fest i forgot so, it was at some fest <laughs> yeah man so um after that it was collie buds um from I bermuda did, from bermuda so i did um i did tomorrow is another day mm-hmm. um then I did Blind To You. Blind To, Blind to You is still one of his Big biggest...
0: Big song. Big song.
1: And then I Big did song. another song named Sensemile for him. Um, then after that, I went and I worked with Notch. I did... I produced like... I was probably like the... Every song that he actually had on there went through my computer. And I probably produced like nine songs on it when he was doing like a Spanish album. Okay. <laughs> and then after that I actually have to look at my,
0: my, my <laughs> to remember. go ahead don't worry go ahead When you're then, putting in so much work it's hard to remember chronologically what you did and then after that I did Estelle which Pick is one. won't you
1: come over love so I can show you love and and um, John Legend wrote it with her or I guess wrote it for her because mm-hmm. um, she was signed to John Legend at the time, which I actually met her through Cardinal, like, some number of years before that, you know what I mean? This yeah. is what she was still in the UK. Then, then after that, I did um, Cardinal's number one.
0: Number one, that was with Rihanna. Rihanna, yeah. That is You Rihanna. did that, Doops? Yes. Number one. Okay, so this is my question. How do you get from the dance hall world to now the hip-hop R&B world. How did that transition happen?
1: Well, that was the song that made it happen because up until that point, everybody kind of stuck me in a box of just doing reggae. Yeah. And nobody wanted any hip-hop or whatsoever from me. So basically that song kind of changed it for me. And I went on and produced other things for Cardinal on that project as well. Then I, then John Legend came back to me and then I produced the Can't Be My Lover with Budju in it. Have a piece of body with, And I produced the song No Other Love with Estelle on it. Then, um, then I, I, I just, and then after that is like um, moving on down now. So remember, I, I'm kind of skipping out a bunch of things. So, so now what solidified me now from like making people know that I don't just do dancehall, reggae, or Caribbean influenced things mm-hmm. is when I did Mary J. Blash each tier
0: yes brother Uh, hold on you're gonna tell this story but let me tell you something from outside person looking in you see when I heard that song and I heard it was produced by dopes buddy the way how my heart felt I said listen I know this man it's like you guys don't know I know this man this man came to the shop we sat down we talked we're in a dance hall type of thing I know this man and he produced one of my favorite artist songs. that right there and hearing the bass line in that song there which version did you know? You knew the one with Jack Kerr or you knew
1: the one with the other artists? The one with, I think it was the first.
0: The Jack Kerr came out second?
1: The Jack, the Jack Kerr was never officially released, you know, but I, I had put it out because the label didn't want to release it. But Beer actually wrote it. You know Beer who write all of Justin Bieber hits, though? Bear wrote Jack Kerr's part. <laughs> what? No. But, no. But, but that, uh, um, that was a massive hit um, worldwide. Um, it, and- wasn't, it wasn't a hit in the U.S. like that, even mm-hmm. though it was her first single. Mm-hmm. Well, no, her first single was different here. That was her first single worldwide. Went, like, number one in Italy, top 10, like, in all of, like, from Australia and stuff. And um, So that's when people started to take me seriously. And then after that, no. So hold um, on.
0: Yeah. How did you even get to Marriage J. Blige in the first place? And what was that phone call like? Coming how did that whole situation happen?
1: You know, I actually don't remember. Yeah. Oh, you know, you know what? I, I think um you know what actually I do right now. So that beat originally was made. Um I guess Alicia Keys was working at the time and she wanted beats. And then me and my cousin Khan made that track, and then we sent it um out and they liked the beat, and then somebody sent it to um Jante Austin, mm-hmm. which is our next huge writer. And then he actually wrote the, the, the top line on it. And then after we sent it in to Alicia Key, she declined it. Then we sent it over to Interscope, or Geffen at the time. And then they loved it. Yeah. And then they cut it. And then after that, no, um, then came Eminem.
0: Monster. This is now when the Grammy came into play because yes. of the situation. Yes. There. How did that come up now?
1: So, all right, so that was my manager used to share office space with um, at Shady Records, and then he, w- he used to see them every day, and then I'll just, like, send him beats and stuff like that, and then he gave Eminem people a beat CD, and that was one of the beats that Eminem picked, and then it was on the album. And that, mm-hmm. and then that album went on to win a Grammy, and then in that, around the same time, now is when, you're talking, it's like 2009, that's what, like when I met Drake you now. And then I was supposed to be on Drake's first album. It skipped me though because somebody leaked the song, but the song eventually ended up coming out on the mm-hmm. Tiger.
0: So you did us. So then it's a Tiger featuring Drake, or it's Drake featuring Sorry,
1: Tiger? It's Tiger featuring Drake, which is they've still got it for you. But
0: it's originally a Drake song.
1: It was originally supposed to be on his first album, but it got leaked. And then I kind of was bummed out about it because remember, Sir so Drake was a new hot boy at the time, and. Hot like fire but, at that no, time. I, there. But, I, but I still was blessed because it was like I got Eminem. Come on, man! I, I, I remember, remember. m This is what Eminem was just coming off of his drug addiction, and and then that's why the album was called Recovery. And then in after that, now, mm-hmm. there was this young artist named Bruno Mars that came around, and I was on the first album. Uh,
0: my heart, my heart dopes. Yeah.
1: So then I did, um, I did Liquor Store Blues. Yes. And then I did um it's called, oh, 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 it's called our first time. Our first time. So I did those two. And then on that same beat CD that Eminem had from me, which never made the album, yeah. no, him and Royce, the five nine, were reuniting and the group was called Bad Me Sea, which was like ten years prior to that. They were they were together, they fell out, then they got back together and they chose my song as their first single, which was called Fastly. So you say how well, I transitioned out of dancehall yeah. and then after
0: um, I went into hip-hop. Crazy, because what I find is, okay, to me, this is again from me looking from the outside in, it seems like once you're a producer in the reggae field, you're more the producer and the label. But then when you go over to hip-hop now, you're strictly producer. You could go wrong and do other stuff, but you're not the label. You're just producer and there's yeah. more steps to it there.
1: Yeah, more way more steps. It's just it's just a different level. Mm-hmm. Um, and then after that, now I'm skipping out a couple things. And then the, the tiger came out, mm-hmm. which was probably like two years after that. Which was the tiger still got it for you. I don't know if you remember that song. Yes, still got it for course. you. So that was it. Um, and then, um, what happened now is then I finally got on a Drake project now.
0: Which project was this year? Take care. But so
1: that oh, was nice. a second album, and then, um, but I did. I I was kind of pissed because they gave me the interlude, which which I, I was still grateful. But guess what? The interlude was which one? The one we buried
0: alive with Kendrick Lamar, and that blew Kendrick Lamar up. Guy, <laughs> crazy, and because at this time here, Kendrick Lamar was not. Who Kendrick Lamar is right now?
1: No, uh-uh. he was a virtually unknown, but but he was well respected. Drake loved him, and then Drake sent him the beat. He did that, and Drake is like, "Yo, this thing's just so damn wicked. I don't even find myself on it." And then then he just like I guess put it as an interlude yeah. right after Marvin's Room, and and then after that. So moving on, now, then Bruno Mars. Well, I did I did a Christina Aguilera. I never did anything. Um, Bruno Mars came back around. Okay. Um, and then I did show me on on an on orthodox true box. What? Then um I, I went and worked um with um with Snoop Dogg, which is called Snoop Lion at the time. I did one song on there named Smoke the Weed with Buds. Yeah.
0: <laughs> so I guess how did that Snoop Lion come around? How was how did that deal actually pan out?
1: Um it was just um it. it it's just, you know, the thing is as as you as you go along, well, you know, actually my manager now was at RCA Records and he lined it up. hmm So so um that's how that came about. He actually signed that 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 record, so of course I was gonna be on there. Okay. But but,
0: but and this after, is still Mr. Morgan. Yeah, this is still Mr. Morgan. He moves around a lot in Mississippi yes. Street.
1: Yes. So and then a little bit after that, um, I did a juicy J, which ended up coming out um and it was the first record that um, major record that there is a very known producer now. That was the first record that he was on. So he and I did it. It's called 1985. What? So that was the first record he was ever. And that, and I'm also his mentor.
0: It's, it's like, I don't know why you just didn't, because you said when you moved from Jamaica, you came to Canada and then went to the States. Why didn't you just stay back in Canada? Because it seems like a lot of your... Epic moments and epic a, relationships came out of Canada, and yes. are still coming out of Canada.
1: Well, the the thing is, is for one, um, I don't think my mother wanted the coal. And then you yeah. remember I said Canada. Remember I say all the US views <laughs> on Canada? All you got to do is watch South Park, and that was their views on Canada: the friendly neighbors to the north. <laughs> yeah. Canada wasn't like quote unquote cool back in the day. But no, no, no. But no. but I always had a great relationship with um Canadians in mm-hmm. general because I just thought you guys kind of more stuck together. Y'all were cool. Mm-hmm. Y'all y'all were just like loving people and I always like you know, the Jamaican scene just too much too much hype, man. Hype. Hype and and, mm-hmm. and then after that, no, um, um I kinda like there, there wasn't a lot of things happening for me at that moment, so it's like kind of like, like my manager. now, he went on to go work with um with OVO them, and then um the same attention that I was getting from him, I wasn't getting it anymore because he got way busier. You know what I mean? So, so, so you remember guy, all my placements at this point, you know was mostly placed by him. It wasn't you. really me, really. Mm-hmm. It was more like his links. And then he basically did all the work for me. So this time I had to learn to do my own thing. So you got lazy, man. You got comfortable. Well, after that is like I started to. I went and I just told my manager, I'm like, yo, I want to go produce bands. And he's looking at me like crazy. Mm -hmm. I'm like, yeah, I want to go produce bands. So then I started to work on the bands in the California reggae scene. Okay which they're not really huge in Canada or huge in Jamaica, but they're massive all throughout, like the U.S. Like I'm talking, they pull more people than actual Jamaicans that come to the States. Okay. Or, yeah, or, or even worldwide. They pull like a lot more people than that. And that was just something that that, that is actually what I think really taught me how to produce. Because, you now I had to learn how to direct everybody. You know what I'm saying? So I went to produce soldier. Which Sorja is massive. You can look them up. I went to produce like from um, Dirty Heads mm-hmm. or produced for like um what's it they call Re- Revolution? Uh, just a lot of the California scene at the time, sublime with Rome. Um and then after that now, um let's see where else. Then fast forward, I'm just skipping out a bunch of things. Michael Franti too. And then from me coming out of that, I did that for a while, but it, it didn't seem fruitful for me. But like I was the go to producer for, for the scene. So everybody now wanted me to work on their and stuff. And around what
0: years were these here?
1: Um that was probably that was around between 2015, 2016. Okay, so this is relatively
0: not too long ago. Yeah. Within the last five years.
1: Yeah, two. But I would say 2014, 2015, 2016, mm-hmm. and then after that, I'm just like, man, this ain't lucrative. Mm-hmm. And then Drake came back around, and then after me come from like you are talking cold as ice for all these years in the in the in the mainstream like the that world.
2: Yeah,
0: and bam, old underwear controller. <laughs> big monster <laughs> massive suck listen i need you to take time with this one and tell me how controller even came around and because i know it's um actually you it's one boy it work War- and boy, boy one Ste- Stephen mcgregor the genius okay. yes that worked on controller tell me how that came around so, that from the right. idea
1: so the the idea of it is Basically, it was, we were just doing, like, Boy Wonder came down to Miami at the time, and then it's like um, somebody else, which Seven Thomas was supposed to come down, but I guess he must either forget him passport or, him, or them never allow him entry. I don't know what it was. Yeah. And then he never came, and then it was me, Vinyls, Alan Ritter, Boy Wonder at the studio. And then I'm just like, hey, Stephen lived right around the corner from the studio. This one, the genius, moved up from Miami, mm. uh, moved up to Miami from Jamaica. Yeah, And I'm just like, yo, come. So, Stephen on Boy Wonder was in the room and Stephen came up with the chords. And then Boy Wonder was doing like some hip hop drums. And then, after it's like, you know what I mean? Then, do my touch to it. And then, after he's, I, because it was not something that we thought about. It, it was it's just a very bare beat, you know?
0: Yeah. No, and when, when, when you think about it, yeah, it's not super complicated.
1: And then it's like I was supposed to go back in now and, um, because me and Boy Wonder used two different DAW systems. They used FL Studio. I used Ableton. Okay. So I was I took it back now, and I was supposed to work on it, I guess, to dance hall it up more and stuff. But he sent it in as it was, and then two tools, that was controller.
0: Crazy. And is that the one originally had popcorn on it? And then yes, took all yes. popcorn and put in the Beanie Man? Yes. Okay. Yes. Can you talk about that?
1: Um, well, the popcorn, I, I think that version never came out, um, because it was leaked and it was leaked by one of Popcorn people. But, um, and I, I, I think they just like, they just left it as a leak. And then after they just changed it, but either way, I, a lot of Jamaican people would be like, um, yo, why they took out Popcorn? Yo, dog, no, that's no good, yo. And then I'm just like, yo, at the end of the day, it didn't matter to me. It <laughs> really didn't. Uh, yeah. As long as it came out and it, became, it did what it did, and then um, I was also blessed with another massive hit. In fact, this hit was a, actually bigger worldwide, which is too good.
0: Yes, yes and, and then, it was a dancey type of, because that was a Drake and Rihanna, and that was a dancey type of feel to it.
1: So what, what that was now is that, no, you remember the first record that I told you that 85 was on with me and that was his first big record. Mm -hmm. No 85 said, dubs, let's work. So I'm just like, cool. So, um, it was this guy named Manish that he did like the music on top. And then, um, I set the drums into 85 and then that was just put together and, but I don't know, it just, it just came out amazingly. And that
0: was also a blessing. And with that there, do you actually after you guys produce it now, do you actually sit down in the studio with Drake and Rihanna and then you guys record it or your job is no, to no, no, and no. produce and send off?
1: Well, I'm talking a, a lot, a lot of things. I am actually in the studio with the artists. Mm-hmm. Um but but this one no I wasn't. Mm-hmm. So and this is the time I think Drake and Rihanna was dealing now. So it's like
0: um yeah, wouldn't you, it's like sometimes you know that you've created this thing, but sometimes don't you want to see how this thing is being used from beginning? Or I guess as a producer, you learn to detach yourself from the product after
1: you I, I, I learned to detach myself from the product from very early on, because even, even the first version of the Nina Sky turning me on, I hated it. If you notice, there's two different versions of Good. it. You have the mm-hmm. ones with Pitbull, mm-hmm. so... What what they did to the, my original version, I was mad. And then um then the one that's on the original Copa was counted as a remix, but that's not the original version. So but I've learned that that song benefic- benefited me immensely. So after that, I've just learned like yo, once it's in their hands, you do whatever. Like yeah. I don't really care. It's like if it hit, it, I don't often like it. Everybody else does. That's why I get people. I, I, I just work on it enough as if the client like it, then I'm happy.
0: Okay, because a lot of people don't realize as a producer, you're dealing with client services. You're not really facing the world per se. It's from your mind to your computer to the client, and then the client goes and yeah, do what they want
1: well, with it. Well, it's like if you if you had um, a store, you know what I mean? As long as it's customer service, as long yeah. as
0: they're happy, they're happy. You know yeah. what I mean? I. And- you're happy, I'm happy. <laughs> <laughs> and do you know what it actually takes to create a hit, or this is just something that is just it's, magic?
1: You, you don't you don't never know what a hit is, man. It's like honestly, you just you just have to um, you even even most of the songs that I love mm-hmm. are not the hits. Okay. You know what I mean? Because I probably love it because I've done something new on it that was just so mind-blowing to <laughs> me. But it's probably too complicated for other people. So it, it's you, you can never predict what a hit is because it, it's its its so many different things and it's, it's like so many other plans I had. And I say, yes, this is it. This is my retirement fund now. And it just never pops off. You know what yeah. I mean?
0: Yeah, because so, a lot of people don't understand that there's so many different levels. So okay, let's say even the the Drake and Rihanna record from the day you stepped in the studio, you and um eighty five stepped in the studio, recorded this till the day it came out. How long of a process is that?
1: Um, it, it all depends. You're talking like even with said the Eminem stuff. Um, um, you're talking that beat was probably had for like a few years before it even came out. You know what I mean? So it's like yeah. So you never know, sometimes it's a month, sometimes it's two years, sometimes yeah. it's three years. You, you don't ever know. It's just, that's how
0: unpredictable it is. And I guess that's why you try your best not to really get attached to a project. You put it out, and then you will figure it out along the way. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And the great thing with music itself, too, is you just never know when it's actually going to blow up, where it's going to blow up from, and what actually even made it blow up.
1: No, you don't. It's, it's just, I don't know. It's just, it's just you never know what the hit is, you know? Yeah. So, but the, but the the most important thing is, that's why I say, if you're doing it for money,
2: mm-hmm.
1: you're doing it for any other reason apart from loving it,
2: mm-hmm.
1: I don't know, your success is not going to last long because I've, I've been, this is my 16th year since I had my first massive hit. You know what I mean? 16 17th year and... and mm-hmm and it's i'm still here you yeah. know what i mean and from from i made the transition as a dj into a producer
0: mm-hmm. no because you're saying 16 years of creating hits and you would say your last when was your last massive hit that you i
1: would created? i would i would say it's
0: between control and um on, on too good and that was four years ago that was four years ago and what have you been doing in the meantime the past four years, per se, what has Super life looked like in those four years?
1: Oh boy, it's it's, it's um. <laughs> mm-hmm. I'm pretty sure you heard the rumors. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean. Which the rumors are true, but you you heard what rumor have you heard? <laughs>
0: um, I'll let you tell it in your own words.
1: Well, well, the rumor is that I've I've been working on this Rihanna stuff, which I've ne- I've never commented on it or or said anything about it from before. Yeah. Which, which um, yes, I have. You know what I mean? But I will just make, make I will tell that story when it comes
0: out. Fair, so, you, know, you know what, fair enough. So Okay, so we have a confirmation that there's something in the atmosphere out there, but there's no date when there's something in the atmosphere out there is supposed to come out.
1: Exactly. So, So if and when it comes out, then I will be able to speak on it. Creep. But but there but there's a lot of things under the background. So even um, after that, um, so it's like um, I would say another big hit that I was on is I produced "Party Next Door" with 1985. Again, not nice.
0: Yes, yes
1: early, not yes. nice. You're rude. Then um, I went on. I produce. I uh, went on produce with um, Shakira. So I'm I'm all, I'm on her album. I have a good amount of cuts on her album. Her last album that came out that won two Grammys.
0: So how many um, Grammys do you have under your belt now? Like six or seven,
1: but but nomination over twenty.
0: Over twenty. Yeah. Something I didn't ask you. We're gonna stick to this point here, but something I never asked you. What was the feeling like when you actually found out that you won your first Grammy for the Eminem?
1: Um, it was it was amazing. Um. At the time, because it's like it's something where you always dream about and, and to be a part of a project that actually win a win a Grammy is it's it's amazing. You know what I mean? But it's like after that one, I didn't care anymore. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, the on the walls and all that yeah. stuff. I actually don't even care about that anymore. I just use it as more of a gauge right now to to do to me doing good work. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? So it, it's, it's like these things don't ever make me anymore. It doesn't I really don't care. Like, in fact, uh, my wife is the one who hung these things up on the wall. I had just had them on the floor.
0: Yeah. And it's crazy to think where you're coming from. And once somebody said Grammy to you at one time, it's like, holy smokes, Grammy, Billboard, American Music Award. All of these things seem so unattainable and so amazing. But I guess it's something like, I guess it's like money too. After you get your first dollar, every dollar seems the same after a while.
1: Um I wouldn't say so. I'm talking you're definitely when the money started like it's like all right, cool. But you know the problem is with a lot of the youths them, especially with myself, um like you get this big money you now and you feel like you're going to get it again. But 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 a lot of people get it and then get comfortable and start buying what they want and then realize that they actually have to work.
0: Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. So they- <laughs> At, as a producer, are you basically considered as good as your last project type of thing?
1: Yes, that's that's how it works so coming like any anything like with like with an artist at Jamaica, mm-hmm. um, or Jamaica um are or any kind of artist you're just as good as your last project so mm-hmm. if you're not like actively like having hits or whatever then you get cold yeah. you know what I mean and then once you get cold it's kind of hard for you to to actually like get placements I'm I would say right now I'm probably a
0: little cold but uh, but I'm but I'm respected so it's a difference you know what I mean yeah, and that's really what it comes down to because it's not like you were super hot and then you did a lot of crazy stuff and crash and burn and then you're trying to get back up. You exactly. just basically did a lot of stuff and then you just said, okay, you know what, I'm going to cool out for a while. Exactly. That's a that's a big difference between crashing and burning exactly. and trying to rebuild.
1: I, yeah. I, one of the things that I always made sure that I did was was to keep my face clean. Um Uh, I'm not going to say that I didn't make mistakes, which everybody does, you know, what I mean, nobody's perfect, but I always try to do unto others as they do to me and um, try to just do everything clean from my heart. Um, um, And and yes, I've been hurt uh, many times in it. um, Mm -hmm. And which, no, I'm really finding I know that um, I was hurt by those people because they're themselves are hurt. You know what
0: I mean? Like hurt people, hurt people.
1: Yeah. Hurt people, hurt people. Yeah. So it's, it's, but it it was years of dealing with all these, this negativity, because it's like, I told my story, but, um, don't think that it was easy for one second, even though I was immensely blessed, made a lot of money, traveled the world, worked with many different artists towards what's ever still didn't fulfill me. You know what I mean? Okay. Um, and I would say, like, you know what I mean? I still go in and out of, like, being depressed and, you know what I mean? I'm human too, you know what I mean? It's like people people see it from the outside and then them don't, them don't really know what it is. And then mm-hmm. you had, you know, you kind of, after the years of people, like, wanted to take advantage of you, it's like you might help somebody once, but now it's like, oh, cool, the flood door opened up. Don't know for them shame tree, don't know, so them I go ask mm-hmm. again. And then you don't know, give them and then all of a sudden them them hate you. And it's like them things they couldn't
0: never get. And did but you like, find that the request started to become a bit more ridiculous than when you first started out? Oh
1: up? absolutely. The the higher up you go, they, they always get more ridiculous. Um mm-hmm. it, it's just no, it's like the craziness with it no, is like you, you will see like the, the, the amount of greed. And how much people think you actually owe them, and 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 that was really like the hurtful part because it's like mm-hmm. no matter what, it's like even you might help somebody out, and and then you you don't see like it is reciprocated. You are, you honestly feel away, even though you're not supposed to do anything and expect anything back in return. But sure. it wasn't reciprocated, so then you you feel away, not necessarily because you want anything back from them, but you expect mm-hmm. them. To actually have the same kind of compassion you showed them and to at least call you once in a while. And then know when you see that noise, like you say, all right, cool. You it,
0: it was just never for me from, from day one. But so, then you had to go through all of this to really figure this out. And I mean, which is the bad part. If you knew this from the jump, you wouldn't go through all of this. You wouldn't have to deal with these people that are going to come with these hurtful ways of thinking and doing what you're doing.
1: But you know what, though? I'm actually glad that I went through it. And I think that was just a part of my life that was written for me for actually coming up to the part where I'm at right now. Okay, You know what I'm saying? So after all that hurt, after all that pain and you're talking, this is not this is not just like within the last two years or whatever. You're talking is probably pain that I've been carrying from my childhood. Um, no, so it's like how negativity works. It just builds up, 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 builds up. It just build up, build up, build up. It's infectious, and then one day it just blow your lid. Mm-hmm. So I, I think I just got to my point probably sometime last year now, after being burnt so many times. How evil people can be. How greedy people can be, mm-hmm. and um um. And even though I had no reason to be the feeling anyway, because my life is absolutely blessed. I have a beautiful family, I have my kids, love my wife very much. Um music afforded me this lovely house. Um I'm not starving. But it's like honestly, money don't solve any of those issues because if you're if you're not happy within you first, mm-hmm. then you're going to always be sad. It'd be like if I give you a thousand dollars and says and and you can't save it. What makes you think you're going to save a hundred thousand? Not because exactly. that's money, it's just you have to change. So with, with that change it 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 actually brought me to Christianity. You know what I mean? And I, I would say that that is what ultimately led to my peace where I'm at right now, you know what yeah. I mean? Um mm-hmm. and I I wasn't coming on here to preach to a lot of people, but I want to tell you that God is real. 100 um, um and it is the most glorious thing that ever happened to me in my life um and this is my new path i don't i don't know what the future holds but wherever the good lord (laughs) shows me where to go that's where i'll be going okay
0: so let's let's go into this then because again you're living the high life everything is good you know what you feel in your heart, but you got to put on this smile, make all these stuff and get all these awards and stuff. Where was actually the breaking point? Do you remember like the night where you just basically said in your mind, like, yo, I can't take this mo- no more. There has to be more so, to life. Something happened. Where was so,
1: it? so basically it's like about four years ago. Um, I'm working on this particular project now where, the, where literally the world was reaching out to me.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And... Um, it felt good, but to feel important, feel wanted, everything was good and glorious for the time. And then, um, when it comes time now, we're doing like the paperwork and stuff. And then I'm finding how people are greedy. I'm just like, yo, if you didn't know it was this artist, you would have never ever tried to come at me like that, or you know what I mean. And and then you just start to figure out how selfish people are, and I, yeah. and I, and and self-centered, and and focused on themselves. Um, no matter what you did for them, you know what I mean. Um. And then I would say oh, at this time, though, like fast forward oh, up to two years ago, um, it was the biggest I ever was, a balloon, my weight balloon. Um, okay. I was getting sick. So I'm talking sick to the point like where my eyes would swell up and stuff from blood pressure, stress. And I'm like, oh, it's either I stay doing this or I get rich and then I'll be dead or I spend all my money. And what how would I get rich from in my health? or I just have to take a stance in doing it now. So I actually walked away from that for, for six months. By the time the six months come around now, when done, I'm saying, hey, I'm here. People heard that I'm not doing the project anymore. So all these people that were supposedly like friending me up or were my best friends, were, they were, most of them were nowhere to be found anymore. So it kind of really hit me. You know what I mean? I'm just like, and then it's like I went all the last year now, up until August, like just trying to find it back, trying to find back a groove. And then I remember like August came around and it's like, I'm I'm like hitting up these people. And then they're either telling me they're busy, they don't respond. And all of a sudden I wasn't important anymore because I'm not doing this project. You see? Really? Yeah. So you're talking, you no, know, this, this was a year after now. And it's like, all of a sudden I just wasn't important. And I'm like, yo, you know what? I'm not going to call anybody and nobody called me.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: But I think that was God way of telling me that, yo, stop putting the importance and don't don't make other people be your happiness. You have to find your own happiness and focus on the people, them that really are here for you. Mm-hmm. And it was my family. Yeah. You know what I mean? And then I had learned to live with that. So by the end of December now, one of my New Year's resolution was to protect my energy at all costs and Little over two weeks after that, I gave my life to Christ, and you know, who my pastor is he's a very exactly. famous um Jamaican rapper that gave his life to Jesus 23 years ago, 22, 23. Papa, San. Right. Papa San. Papa, San.
0: Yes, big, exactly. big, 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 one. And again, I guess somebody like a Papa, San, he could understand your plight, even though he didn't make it in that realm where you were. But you guys, he actually
1: was massive, and he was, um. Papa-san, what a lot of people don't understand you now, you would be like, Papa-san would come in like the equivalent of like what Rakim did for hip-hop. Got, you. Got So you me. say, what Rakim now, remember, everybody rhymes were like simple, A, B, C. What Rakim did is like, it's been a long time since I left you. Without a doubt, beat the step two. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? And it's like, they just intricate, make made it intricate. That's what Papa-san did for dancehall. Mm-hmm. In fact, who I would say learned from Papa son and took his style and basically built upon
0: it was Vibe's Cartel. You understand? Yeah. Once you put it that way, you're 100 percent right. It's just now he fast forwarded 20 years after the fact, say, "Hmm, this is how his style would sound in like a 2000 or yeah, but, 2005 but, but, or whenever he came." But
1: out. you have to you have to look at it. Is that it was even even more innovative than Cartel at the time because yeah. at least with with Cartel, no, he had something to look back on to take it from. Yeah. true. With Papa's son, he didn't have anything to look on. Yeah. He just, he just, just out of sheer talent and just started like spitting and just freestyle. And you know what I mean? So yeah. he, he got it with me because he's actually from the same world. So, yeah. Yeah, no nah, man, and 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 he has a song out right now where it's like even even people that is not into Christian music, you have to check it out. It's
0: a song named Lessons. I didn't produce it, but it's okay. it's just good. Okay, good. So then, okay, so then now you're on this new path that's more fulfilling. You know what I mean? Where you more feel more more positive. Um,
1: and honestly, I I don't know where where God going to lead me to next. You know what I mean? And it's just i'm just making my spirit guide me yes. versus me trying to
0: guide myself <laughs> you know and that makes sense because again why i like speaking to somebody like you it's like you went into the we'll call it the belly of the beast which is the entertainment at the peak of the peak of the peak worked mm-hmm. with people at the peak and it still wasn't fulfilling the money came in the notoriety the work and everything and that still wasn't fulfilling so you're a living testament well- of really no, when they say money doesn't buy happiness
1: no it doesn't money money don't make you happy it's, it's, it's literally you have to make yourself happy mm-hmm. i'm not I'm, I'm not saying that like a lot of people have this stigma about christianity like like them don't want god to them prosper like no that's 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 absolutely not the truth you have a lot of people that are god-fearing people that are rich
2: mm-hmm.
1: but 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 they don't put Basically with, with a lot of this world in, in this industry and music industry and in a whole is that a lot of people um put value on money over everything else. No, you should yeah. put God before everything else. And basically their money becomes their God, which also is a form of idolatry. Mm-hmm. Which now they start to worship the money.
2: Yeah.
1: And and that's and that's 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 where all type of that's where everything goes wrong. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Then you fall into the, the sins of the world. And then, you know what, after that, see it and have you. And, and honestly, I did not want that for my life. So no matter how foolish I may look to the world, mm-hmm. I don't even care because I'm not mm-hmm. looking for people.
0: No, and it doesn't matter because if you followed the world, you probably wouldn't have turned out to be this super producer, build a super sound, do all of this stuff that you've done each step of your life right now. So it's not about what people are saying. It's about what you feel in your heart. And again, remember, for a long time, you were not feeling happy, and at the and you're at the peak of your career, and you're not happy. But wow, no. something has to change.
1: I, I would say I would have a, a little stints of happiness, but it was it was just more of like a, a like a, a bandaid over the wound, and yeah. then once when, when something gets thrown off, then the bandaid come off, and then the wound get bigger yeah. because the problem initially just was never fixed.
0: Yeah. So, which was so you yourself,
1: like, it, which was what's myself. going on in yourself. Exactly. And, and 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 it's just about living, mm-hmm. living more positive, living um, more for love versus more what we can get out of a person, and and not not to think less of myself, but to think of myself less. So to speak. You. you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Just be a good person overall. Be more giving. Mm-hmm. Be more. Just, just, just be humbled. You know what I mean? Like, no, yeah, I am not better than you. You are not better than me. Mm-hmm. Nobody's better than no one. Not because they have more money, with your accomplishments. It don't matter anymore. Like to me, that doesn't matter. Yeah. And, but a lot of people are so caught up in this lie with, with all these sins. Is like, it's like they're all right, like I said. Why most people would get, gain a lot of weight because the bad food tastes better. Yeah, it, you're right it really does but but if you want to live a longer healthier life and mm-hmm. um, be healthy it it's, it's a lot more dedication and it's a lot more like there's a lot more responsibility so to speak and a lot of people are not are unwilling to accept those responsibilities so they rather to deal with the temptation and the loss of the world which is the 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 loss like you know looking at them money and and the things that are so wrong now. Well, wrong from ever since yeah. is no so commonplace, um, on TV and social media and all of that mm-hmm. stuff. And it's like all of them are burning with this lust, this temptation, the fornication, the just all the evils of the world. And and honestly, y- you cannot have these negatives and expect positives from it. It's just not going to work. It just don't. It don't. Mm-hmm. They, don't they don't mix. If somebody is dealing with those sins and those lost and tell you that they're happy they're lying to you mm-hmm. because i've been there done that
0: that's why i wanted to talk to you because i knew if anybody could explain it we're not just talking if i told somebody hey money's not going to bring you happiness i'm not believable because okay yeah you made a couple of dollars here a couple of dollars here but you weren't that person there for them to really listen say hey pal money does not bring you happiness. You got to be happy before you got that money to amplify whatever happiness you had before because bringing it now is only going to amplify your misery or make yes. you buy more things that you think is going to make you happy well, just and you're not going to be happy again.
1: Well, because it's like you buy those things, say, say you will buy these things or even with women or whatsoever, you're just constantly doing things, trying to chase this happiness. That's never going to come mm-hmm. because you yourself is not fixed. Yeah. You know what I mean? And and I, I really it's just you remember like I told you from early on in my career to 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 me seeing all these evils of like what popularity, fame and money brought. Mm-hmm. Um I remember when Black China just blew up now and got big. I just remembered just being sad. Okay. And I'm like, yo, this this is it. Yeah. This is it. This is... It. I had more fun building it yeah. than where I'm at right now. And it's like...
0: I trust the no, process, bro.
1: Trust yeah, the
0: process. I, I just felt sad, yo. Like... What do you expect it... Are What do you expect it to be or there was no expectation?
1: Well, well what, what everybody that's broke expect it to be is like, oh, yes, cool. I'm broke. Um, and when they have an experience they think money will fix all these issues for them it fix some issues financially
0: for
1: sure but but if you're not responsible you're going to end up back in those same situations be like even somebody that had got money from before and lost it it better them never made it because they, they actually would have been happier because no they lost it they'd be sadder. them were because they had it once and then no them don't have it anymore and now them they on next level of unhappy yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah you're unhappy that you lost it and you're unhappy in the first place yes it's like, exactly and, it just, unhappy. and then
1: it just keeps adding 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 yeah. adding adding and that's why you see so much people mm-hmm. either commit suicide or them end up on drugs or because they're running away from something you know what i mean mm-hmm. um just just all these people like you said live these kind of sinful lives they're running away from something man
0: yeah I hear you. So 2020 right now, we're in the middle of pandemic and all of those stuff there. What's next for super dupes right now? Whatever God tells
1: me to do, honestly. Because um and this is not something that people put out there on social media and they probably might have heard it, but we are we are in end times right now. Sure. We whether you believe it or not, we are in end times. Um basically Jesus explained like the the end times I was like somebody with birth pains, which is somebody in labor, which it mm-hmm. it starts slow and then it, it starts to continuously build and get faster. So basically from the 20th century, we had like the wars them like World War One, then you had the this this massive pandemic that killed 50 million people. Over 50 million people was called the Spanish flu. Mm-hmm. Then you had World War II. Then you had all type of war, rumors of war, yeah, pestilence. And then it, you're talking Throughout time it's happening. but if you really look at it right now, it's happening more frequent. For sure. So you have earthquake in diverse places. You're talking about rumors of war. This is Matthew 24 I'm talking about mm-hmm. um, in the Bible, New Testament. Then you have um, you have the plagues. Right now, this coronavirus is pestilence. I believe that this should pass, but yeah. there's something coming right after that. You have earthquakes in places that earthquakes don't hit. Yep. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, there Wasn't there an earthquake in Toronto like a few years
0: ago? Yeah, yeah. We got so, I remember sitting exactly where I am right now. I remember sitting here and feeling the earthquake. It's like I looked at my little yeah, wife. And, I'm not crazy, right?
1: No, I'm, I'm people, I like and, and, and Toronto is a place that I never normally get earthquakes. Then you have earthquakes like in Utah. Mm-hmm. The other day, earthquake hit Jamaica in January, seven point seven um hit it wasn't directly over Jamaica, but it was it was like between Cuba,
2: mm-hmm.
1: Cayman, Jamaica. And mm-hmm. then it was even felt in Miami then you have earthquake in california the other day and then you have these wildfires the ones that was burning down amazon the other day then you had the wildfires that was burning down australia then you had the the plague the plague like um with the with locusts in
0: africa
1: Africa. And, and and these are just things that is showing you that the second coming is near so i'm not going to lie to you and and this is something that i have to be bold with Okay. Um, because this is me now, and I'm just I'm just giving y'all a warning. Like this is this is it. This is my reality right now. So whether you listen to me or not, mm-hmm. yeah. You know, if you don't if you don't believe, ask God.
0: Yeah. You see the trick with it is this: you're just here as a messenger. Mm-hmm. Whoever picks up and believes the message, that's on them. Your job is just to deliver the message.
1: If if one person that watched this. Mm-hmm. Yet this message that i said at this end part here then i've done my job
0: yeah you get it
1: so regardless 100%. of what
0: people feel
1: think whatsoever i don't care because i don't live for people i live for christ
0: yeah i get it oops this conversation has been nothing short of amazing and let <laughs> me even even before that and let me even give you another testament of how when you become success successful in your field it's not necessarily you that change It's sometimes the people around you that change. When it came to, when I started doing the interviews and stuff about two years ago, I said, yeah, man, Dupes is my friend. I know Dupes for a long time, but I know since Dupes is on this level, OVO, producer for Drake, Rian, and stuff, uh, I'm not sure how to approach him because now that he's here, is he still the same person? Now do I have to act different? Do I, how do you act? And again, then now that's me changing my way. Of acting towards you, and you yes. might just be the same person. Say, "Hey, look, muscle link me. Hey, what's good? I haven't spoken to you for a long time, but I I'm said,
1: overthinking it." Uh, yes, you are. You are overthinking it. But but the thing is, I wouldn't say change much. But yes, I did change. Okay. Um, and I changed based on how people used to deal with me, and then I kind of had my guard up. For sure. You know what I mean? So, it, it, a lot of times, I would it would be easy for people. For me to let people in my life because they they let me down a lot. You know what I mean. So yes, I just had this guard up. Like, yeah, or it it was
0: sometimeish. Just just a bunch of damn things, man. (laughs) (laughs) You had a lot. You have had, and you still have a lot going on in your life. And again, as you said, a lot of people are pulling you from different directions. I don't know if you're real. I don't know if you're genuine. So you're what? No, everybody just leave me alone.
1: Exactly, but but as of right now, with this new space that I'm in, it's just I, I treat everybody accordingly. Mm-hmm. I want to treat people and do <clears throat> the the how I want somebody to treat me is so how I'm going to treat others, regardless if it's reciprocated or not. Yeah, you know what I'm saying? It's just overall just being a good person. But mm-hmm. I, I believe that I've always have been a good person, but I was just hurt for many years. No, that hurt is basically all more serious now. I wouldn't say that I still don't have any. Mm-hmm. But most of it is gone. Yeah. Um and I know I can say for the first time in my life that I truly know what peace feels like. And that's a peace I got from God. So
0: amazing. Amazing swear, brother. Brother, you don't know how happy I am for you. From my seeing you at the top of the mountain till I see you right now, it's just an amazing journey and, to see.
1: And this is the first time I ever did an interview like this. Yeah. So you're the first one, muscle. Thank you, Dups.
0: Thank you. I don't know if I'll do it anymore, yeah. but... <laughs> <laughs> but again, it comes back to the first thing I said when we came out. It's the relationship, and it's even bigger than relationships. It was the spirit just said, you know what? Reach out to Dups. And I was shocked when you reached back to me so quickly. It's like, Dope And you knew who I was right away. I said, you know what? It was just time. You know what I mean? Yes. It was just
1: uh, well, how right well, we met and how I remembered was from a very bad start, mm. but
0: the fact is that I remember you and then we met again and it's good. Yeah. Dope's you know what amazing. I mean? Leave some contact info so they could check out, check out you on your journey. They could see what you have coming up or anything. Leave some have, contact. Info. Just come um, check me out on my on my
1: Instagram at Super Dubs. It, I think the 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 thing is right here. <laughs> <laughs> I got it up my camera. Yeah, so yeah, it's right. Here. Um, and yeah, at Super Dubs at Instagram, you can Google me and stuff like that. Um, I don't really like brag about what is coming out or whatsoever because honestly i don't even know right now and yeah. and honestly i think i was watching i think that's our friend sent me earlier that doctor is like man i don't know what's wrong with these people nowadays just posting up this and that like it kind of like devaluating yeah. just make, make make it have a mystique
0: about it yeah surprise them surprise yeah. them Yeah. yeah.
1: so All so right. just you never know what's coming and I'll just surprise you.
0: <laughs> <laughs> any big ups, any shout outs, anything you want to see before um, we leave right here?
1: Just my family, um, all the people them, that were in my life um, that helped me on this journey. The, the people them, that were true to me, the genius, Mr. Morgan Latoya, Cardinal Official. Um, honestly, it's, it's just a lot of people still that that never walked away from me and that were dear for me. Mm-hmm. um big them up big up my wife of course uh, my kids
0: um and the almighty the big boss the
1: big boss him him uh, first him first yeah
0: dopes great conversation i know it's not going to be just one it's going to be a lot of people that's going to really see the inspiration and understand and hopefully walk in the footsteps
1: yeah man absolutely well yeah
0: god bless muscle dopes it's been great well ladies and gentlemen this is muscle and this has been another two line music Hut's entertainment report podcast and we are out this podcast is brought to you by